podcast for lonely drunk bookcasters. Yay! Cheers. Cheers. What are you drinking? I am drinking Sauvignon Blanc. Nice. Yeah. I'm drinking what I had in my fridge. <laughs> nice. Yes. What are you drinking? I am drinking hard kombucha. Have you had this one? Ooh, yum. No, I haven't. I think it's from Trader Joe's. It's called Kyla. Hard kombucha oh. with a hint of ginger tangerine brewed in Hood River, Oregon. Yum. It's very... Have, oh, go ahead. I have had... You know, my friend makes kombucha. Oh. Chad has his own kombucha company, and he makes bomb kombucha mimosas. Ooh, that sounds good. Yes, it's really delicious. So I've not had hard kombucha, but I've had it with alcohol. Yeah. This is only 4.5%, so it's very, very low. Very low. There's another one at Trader Joe's that's also a hard kombucha that I think is 5%. So, wild, wild (laughs) for a wild night. (laughs) Oh, God. Well, cool. Mm-hmm. Sounds like we're about to have a wild night with our liquors. <laughs> our so, so wild. <laughs> um, okay, do you want to say what we read? Yeah. So we read... Wait, this is the one we read, right? Yeah. <laughs> okay, just double-checking. So we read Her Body and Other Parties. It's a book of short stories by Carmen Maria Machado. And the reason that I was not sure is because... Um, we had talked about a few different books, and I can't remember which right. one we said we write first. Plus, also, it is December 19th, and I'm, like, booking it, trying to finish 50 books by the end of the year, and I've read 34, so. Oh, my gosh. Wait, really? I didn't know you had this goal. Yeah, I've been, like, you know how Goodreads does the 50, or oh. you can set. you not. It's not the 50. They have, like, the reading challenge, and so you can set how many you want to read, and yeah. I was like, I want to push myself to read 50, and I did some good reading over the summer, but, like, when school got back, I just wasn't reading very often, so I'm like, okay, can I read 16 more books? You can totally do it. Didn't you say winter break started today? Yes, and I'm, I think it's, I don't know, I don't think this is cheating, but, like, I'm going to read some plays, and I'm going to read, you know, some graphic novels, because those are books, they're just shorter books, you know? Totally. I think that's a great way to fluff that up. <laughs> <laughs> I'll read some good stuff that's short. Yes. Speaking of books, I was thinking of getting like an audio book because mm-hmm. I'm driving down south. Oh, yeah. It's my first time doing that whole drive by myself. They're so expensive. Oh, really? Yeah. So I was looking, I was like, oh, it'd be fun to get, like, some of the Harry Potter audiobooks yeah. to listen to. And, like, the first Harry Potter audiobook was, like, $50. What? Yeah. And then I was like, okay, maybe I'll look at Audible. Yeah. But then Audible, you have to pay, so they're slightly cheaper. They're, like, $30. Mm-hmm. And then you still have to pay the monthly subscription, which is, like, kind of high. That's ridiculous. So, <laughs> I don't understand why they're so much more expensive than a regular book. That's absurd. Yeah. That doesn't make any sense. I don't know if it was because it was like Harry Potter books and those are popular. I don't know, but I guess I'm not buying any of these books. It was $50 for just the Sorcerer's Stone? Just short of, like maybe 48 or something. 
That's so weird. Yeah. Huh. I was bummed. I was like, well, there goes that plan to keep me. Well, this might not be, like, kosher, but is there, like, any, like, YouTube? Like, could you just, like, find a YouTube video that's, like, like, have people gotten around that? (laughs) That's a good question. Maybe I'll look at that. Does LimeWire still exist? Oh, my God. (laughs) You know what? That's really funny because, like, nowadays when Michael and I want to watch a movie on, like, Xfinity or whatever, which we have Comcast, um, when we're like, oh, we want to watch a movie, like, nowadays we'll, like, actually pay to rent, like, $4, you know? know. Like, last night we watched Home Alone and we rented it on Xfinity and it was $4. And I looked at him and I was like, should we do it? And he was like, yes. It's, like, cheaper than stressing about pirating. (laughs) That's so funny, though. Last night, I was scrolling through, like, trying to figure out what to watch, and I searched to see if Home Alone was on anything. Yeah. And it wasn't for free. It's on Comcast for $3.99 of a rental for 48 hours. All right. Good to know. Maybe I'll try and do that tonight, then. I've also discovered there was some movie that we watched, this was, like, months ago, that we rented it. Uh-huh. And it was like, we didn't finish it, and then you get it for 48 hours, and we, yeah. like, started watching it, like, at, like maybe hour 47, uh-huh. so it was, like, very, very close to being out of time. Yeah. And I was really worried that, like, in the middle of watching the movie, it would just stop, but it didn't. Yeah. It let us finish it, even though it technically went over the amount of time we had rented it for no. Yeah, so if you're, like, stressing and you're like, oh, my God, I want to not waste this $4, <laughs> it won't stop. Forward, can I watch this movie on, like, times two or something? Everybody's like, <laughs> have you ever actually done that to a podcast? Mm-hmm. It's so <laughs> jarring. And be like, what is, why are they talking like that? Yes. <laughs> yeah, because if you accidentally hit just it one time, it's not, like, enough to be very like, obvious at first, you just, <laughs> for a second, think that everybody just got really fucking excited. <laughs> yeah. The first time I did it, I didn't know what I had done, and I was like, is this episode broken? And so, like, I went to try and listen to other episodes, and I was like, oh, it's happening here, too? And then I, like, listened to other podcasts, and I was like, oh my god, what's going on? <laughs> and then I saw that little button, and I was like, oh, That's so god. funny. I've heard that some people listen to their podcasts on speed so that they, like, listen to them faster. Because <laughs> you know what I really want in life is to speed through things that I find pleasurable. <laughs> I'm like, you know what? This is really interesting. I'm so excited to listen to this new episode, but can we do it a little bit quicker? Because I have to beat Wait, but what if by that logic you, like, loved to savor them so you listen to them at half speed? <laughs> Wait, 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 wait a second. I'm going to listen to <laughs> us oh, no. at half speed. Wait. Okay. Who else? Like, I don't know what I did in the last year since we've used it, but it refuses to let us on. <laughs> or me. It refuses to let me on. <laughs> But it made a hard for a little bit. Yeah, it gave me some pushback, but it eventually allowed. Um, 
one told me to wait a month. It said, you for a month. We sound so fucked up. Like, it makes us sound so drunk. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, if somebody's listening to this and they don't think we're drunk enough, all they have to do is listen to it on half speed and we sound yeah. so drunk. It's all seven hours. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay, well that's amazing. Yeah. Okay, well, thank you guys so much. Yeah. Wow. I'm super excited. We should try and speak really, really fast and see if it... Oh, we can get it to regular time. <laughs> yeah. Yes, let's do it. So, uh, what was it about? <laughs> so, as you mentioned, it's like a collection of short stories. Um, and each one, there was, how many were there? Um, I can't remember. Uh, eight. Oh, I didn't actually think it was going to be that spot on. <laughs> Very good. Um, they are all female-centric, and they're a little bit fantastical, Mm -hmm. which is not something that I normally enjoy, but I did a lot here, Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, it's like, I mean, I think the title of it kind of gives that away, her body and other parties, Mm -hmm. like, they're very much body-centric, the way that women interact with their body in the world and their body and other people and other people's bodies pretty much the main themes throughout all of them yeah yeah what do you does that seem accurate yeah i agree yes it i agree that it was like i think all the protagonists were women or identified as women Uh were, were yeah and so a lot of it i felt like had to do with like expectations and um, sexuality and like you said like the body whether yeah. it's like the body and mass of like women and right. society's kind of <clears throat> uh, influence or like the individual characters um, it was I mean I felt that a lot of the stories were really relevant to uh-huh. themes that probably matter to me and I assume you and kind of similar stuff that we've, like, talked about in some of the books we've read before, too. Yeah, totally. Um, I also, I'm just remembering as we're talking about this, there's also a lot of, like, disappearing Mm. of women. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know if disappearing is the right word, but sort of, like, yeah, I guess disappearing. Yeah. Um, And I thought that was kind of interesting. Yes. That That happens in at least two of the stories, right? Yeah, I'm, like, trying to go back through. I started off by taking a lot of notes. Um, yeah. I, I know that I originally, like, heard an interview with her on some podcast I listened to, and I wish I remembered what it was. Hey, just jumping in here to say that I looked it up, and the podcast I'm referring to is Call Your Girlfriend. I have no idea I wouldn't remember that. It's very obvious, because, duh. But, anyways, I looked it up. It's the episode that's titled Winter Books is from December 1st, 2017, and I will make sure to put the link in our blog post at drunkofthebook.com. Mm-hmm. 
And I think on that podcast, they had her read some excerpts and talk about some of the stories in this collection. So for me, the ones that were really familiar were, uh, what was, was the title of the one with the mother and the daughter? Mothers? Mothers, yeah. Is that right? Oh no, it was a story within a story. Are you talking about the Eight Bites one where she has the surgery? No, I'm now I'm remembering. It's in one of the stories oh. when the narrator talks about the story of the girl, the mother and the girl who like go to Paris and then the mother gets sick. Oh yeah, that's in the first one. Okay, that's, that's in the first one. The husband stitch. The husband stitch. Yeah, okay, so this story I know that they at least talked about, if not read, in that podcast I listened to. And also, like, it's a play on that uh, girl with the green ribbon. Right, totally. Which, like, was my favorite, like, ghost slash scary creepy story when I was in elementary school. Because it was just, like, so just, I don't know. There's something about that story that, like, gets you. Uh So I was, like, so happy that this played on that. Totally. Yeah, I really liked that first. Story. I thought it was a great introduction into the book because mm-hmm. it pretty much caught me immediately. Mm-hmm. Um, and that one had a lot of stories within the story, like you were saying. Yeah. And it had that familiarity, like you're saying. Um, and it also, it kind of, I think, set the tone for like what is coming in the future in this book, where it's like there's a tone of sadness to it. Mm-hmm. But also a tone of like confidence, mm. and it's interesting to see those two be super connected and intertwined. You know, yeah. Because um, I mean, to just keep going with that one, she's confident in her when they like sleep together for the first time, and she's like young, and that's been a scandalous thing, and she's not concerned about that at all. But then you just kind of feel sad for her mm-hmm. the whole time, too, because of the way, like, the husband, like, always wants to touch that ribbon. Mm-hmm. Or, like, I, I can't think of exact lines that he said, but just little things here and there where you're like, oh, you're not really in control of this situation. Yeah, that was something that I definitely picked up on, too. Like, how at the very beginning she was, like, very, she was, like, kind of concerned about, her own desire Mm -hmm. even though it still was very much like she was pleasuring him but then she was like she was desirous of taking on that role and it really honestly I thought that was like very interesting because it connected with kind of like I think there's a criticism of like modern is it third wave feminism this idea of like um how like modern feminists are empowered to be very sexual but then there's also kind of like that that sort of like which came first the chicken or the egg like sure like we're very empowered to be super sexual um and to have control in sexual situations but then the way it often is manifested is still with like the men's pleasure being centered totally and it's like and that's what a lot of people's criticism i think maybe, like, older generations of, like, modern women slash modern feminists is, like, mm-hmm. um, their, con- their, their sort of, like, conception of modern 
sort of sexuality being that, well, yeah, you guys are out like having lots of sex, but is that really, are you really liberated? Right. And I'm not really putting this into words very eloquently, but I think that was interesting because in many ways, like, yes, her desire was at the forefront at the beginning, but still it was very much about like his pleasure. Uh And as their relationship continues into their marriage and as she gets older, it's like her, her almost vision of where she has control starts to erode. And then it's clear that she didn't really, and she doesn't really have any of the control in that relationship. Totally. Yeah. And it, I mean, it literally ends with her giving up, the last bit of control that she has, which is that ribbon around her neck, you know? Yeah. And she lets him just untie it. So, yeah, I think you're totally right. And I think that's what I was trying to get at, too. It's, it's this, this air of confidence and liberation, but it's not actually there. Yeah. There's still, it's a, sad, it's a tone, sad tone to the story. Yeah, I feel uh, like if I would have read this story when I was, like, 16 or something, like... Yeah. It would have rocked me. <laughs> yeah. It would have like, it would have really freaked me out. Yeah, I can see that. Um, I the only note I took, I thought I was gonna be really good at take, about taking notes this time. Um, surprise, surprise, I was not. <laughs> uh, but in that first story, you know, she kept having like little pieces at the end that was like, if you're reading this out loud, mm-hmm. read this or do this. Um, on page 16, she goes, if you're reading the story out loud, move aside the curtain to illustrate this final point to your listeners. It'll be raining, I promise. And I was reading this at work, and I looked out the window, and it was raining. <laughs> and so I just, like, highlighted it, and I was like, it is! <laughs> That's so funny. I was, like, so happy. How does she know? That's perfect. <laughs> I read this one and took a lot of notes. I felt like this is, I felt like I was in college again. Like, I feel like this totally would have been a short story that, like, one of our professors had us read and discuss, like, 100%. It's probably on somebody's syllabus at Mills right now. Oh, I'm sure it is. (laughs) Actually, well, the first time I saw it being read was, do you remember Michaela? Um, I ran into her at a bar, and she was reading it, and I think at the time she was back at Mills. (laughs) That's so funny. Degrees, so I wonder if it's Oh, there you go. Probably. Sure that it is on the middle syllabus, though. Yeah, um, that was a, a really rich story. There was, like, a lot yeah. to it. I really liked it. I, I just, I have never watched SVU. I don't really oh, have yeah. desire to watch SVU. Everybody likes to write about SVU or make jokes about SVU or fit it into their shows or whatever. Yeah. That was like a hundred pages. Yeah. Of SVU lines, and I was just like, I don't care. That one was lost on me too because I don't, I don't know how much you have to know the show to get this, but like. I don't know anywhere near enough to even, like, know if I'm supposed to know enough of the show to get this, like... Right, and, like, I don't even know enough to be, like, is this the actual description? Is this different? Like, what... What am I supposed to be getting from here? It felt almost like it had been a writing exercise that, like, turned into a story. Yeah. Which, I don't know if that's what it was, but it very much read to me, like, I'm gonna do this exercise where I'm, like, gonna you know, build a story around the titles of 
SVU. I don't know. I did, one thing that I did like about that story was that over time, the sort of like living nature of the city was like something that, like the city became a character, which I thought was really interesting. And that, there was a point too that I thought was really interesting that like broke the fourth wall. Um, it was on page 111 in the sort of section called authority um the character runs out of the street stares up at the sky stop he begs stop reading i don't like this something is wrong i don't like this oh. and i thought that was very cool just that oh and also on page 108 there was another moment like that um in screwed where the 65th story henson whispers interior is about a world that watches you and me and everyone it watches our suffering like it is a game can't stop can't te tear themselves away if they could stop we could stop but they won't so we can't which i kind of read as like us as the readers slash also like everybody's like like Kim, you're talking about love of watching that show um like i think people get kind of like a sick pleasure right because it's like there's like some gnarly shit that goes down but it's like you can't stop watching Totally. That's interesting, actually. The first one that you read off, I didn't, for some reason, that just went right past me when I was reading it, but that actually gave me chills when I was reading it this time. <laughs> it totally breached that fourth wall. Yeah. Was yeah. It was really cool. Those were the only parts that I liked about that one. <laughs> yeah. I think I was just like, oh my god, is this part done? Like, is this done? Yeah. I just did the math. It was 60 pages long. Yeah, it's long, and especially if you don't, like... Neither of us really have the background knowledge to yeah. fully get it, I think. It was 25% of the book. <laughs> Look at you mathing. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I would not be able to. <laughs> that would have taken me like 20 minutes. Like, okay, wait. How do I do this? <laughs> um, so you mentioned that it felt like really good. About, like, her sex and kind of love life. Yeah. Or, not necessarily the author, but, you know. The characters. Um, and, like, yeah, each one starts with one girl, and then one boy, one girl, and then two boys, one girl. You know, like, mm -hmm. I just really like that section. I, like... That story. I agree, and the note that I wrote about it was, like, I thought it was fascinating how it started off seemingly of, like, as the sort of, like just a not like a nothing story but it seemed like it was one thing and it changed changed to something else like at first it seemed like it was about sexual awakening you know like yeah. somebody's experiences but then as like the story continues you're in this sort of like future maybe post-apocalyptic it becomes more about like yes. connection and humanity and like survival and i was yeah. not expecting that so that was super cool not at all. Yeah. Oh, that's right. Because the disease comes in. Mm-hmm. Right? That's that same story. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. That was wild. That was super cool. That's kind of what I was talking about earlier when I was describing it. It has, like, these sort of strange tendencies to either get, like, fantastical or out of this world a little bit. Yeah. That I didn't really expect to see in this book. I just, I don't know why. Yeah. Um, 
but I really liked it. Me too. Like, it made my mind wander and, like, go into a bunch of different worlds that normally it wouldn't at all. Mm-hmm. Um, like, the ribbon, like, the disease. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, the one where she, like, they're working in that retail. Oh, yeah. Oh, real women have bodies. <clears throat> that one was wild, too. Yeah, and, like, their bodies are disappearing. That was, yeah. All of that was super interesting. Yeah, there's so much, like, magical realism, which mm-hmm. I, that's, like, <clears throat> that's kind of my style. That's what I like. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had been told by multiple people, like, Michael's sister and somebody else was like, yeah, you got to read this book. So I kind of knew to expect that. The one that, like, I, I had so many questions. It was like, and I, I wish know. I had written them down. Now I didn't take notes because I, like, I didn't write them down because I think it. I just okay, read so it so I took quickly. a fuck ton of notes on the husband's ditch, and I thought that would be my favorite story. But then when I got to The Resident, that one, I don't know why, but that one, like, fucked with me. And that was the one yeah. that I couldn't forget about. That one, just, my thing is being very short. That is one that I need to read again. Mm-hmm. I don't think I understood what was happening. I don't so, even know. What, what were you getting from it? I don't even fucking know. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, it stuck with you. I think it was just, like, I think because, partly because it kind of was in the, in the tradition of, like, turn of the screw or something, where you're, like, is the narrator, is it because the narrator is unreliable, is weird stuff actually happening, like, um, is this, like, a creepy haunted place, or is this person a person who is, like, tormented? Right, right. It, It was, like, almost like that kind of classic ghost story thing it did that thing from the very beginning you know like on um all those old books where they don't say place names or people names they put the dashes which to me that like reads as a very particular time of literature and the fact that like she chose to do that in a story seemed to me like a reference to that time period and that did kind of remind me of you know turn of the screw kind of thing yeah. I do want to reread it um, because I didn't take as many notes as I think I want to because I really got into it and then just was yeah. reading. Yeah, I think, I can't remember, yeah, I think I was like on the bus or something and I was getting close to like getting off of transit so I was trying to like read quickly because I wanted to finish it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, that's one of those that I, I want to reread that story because mm-hmm. I think I wasn't paying enough attention. Mm-hmm. I think I was just like, okay, let me, let me read the story real quick, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's not one of those ones that you can skim through. Or not skim through, but speed through. Yeah. I, yeah, I need to reread it. I think also it's the kind of thing that, like, I think it's, uh, like, what? What am I trying to say? I think it's kind of like a li- there's in jokes that I could recognize as they were probably in jokes of like writers who go to residencies, right? <clears throat> which is not my experience, and so I didn't. I don't think I fully understood them, but like, right? I would kind of like, oh, I think that's I think that's a referential thing that I don't quite get, but I can just recognize that it's referential, right? 
the one thing that you, when you pointed out, like, that writing style of not having the full name or whatever, Mm -hmm. I realized this whole book felt like it was from a different time. Mm. Like, nothing about it felt modern to me, except for maybe the SVU section. Yeah. Yeah, it kind of took me into a different time zone, or not time zone. Greenwich Mean Time. (laughs) Suddenly I was in Arizona and one elk ahead. You know, it was really wild. Wild reading. Well, I agree with you that like there aren't there aren't things that like place it a lot of the stories in a particular like year. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it'll be like I'm looking at the next book after that was the Difficult at Parties one, Mm -hmm. which. Okay, there's like a reference to a DVD, but it doesn't it doesn't like specify like when is this exactly? It's hard to tell. Mm-hmm. And I think it's kind of like the question of modern writers who are writing of their modern or contemporary time like how much technology do you include because then you're kind of dating your story. Totally. And if you're trying to make it seem like now, well, it's not going to feel like now in five to ten years, especially with the way technology moves. And so then if you're vague, it does give you a little bit more leeway. But then also at the same time, like, it kind of makes it a little bit hard to place, which is a pro and a con depending on, you know, lots of factors. Yeah. I just, yeah, there wasn't really, other than the DVD player, which I think there was also, like, a VHS tape also. (laughs) Yeah, there was. Um... There's not really much technology in here. I wasn't really paying attention to that. No, because... And then there's the one where it's, like, in the future, that's sort of, like, the sickness. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it's not, like, a specific time of the future, you know? It's not, like... Right. We could even... It could even be, like, now in an alternate sort of world, you yeah. know? I almost didn't see it as future. I saw it as, like, an alternate world. Mm-hmm. Because it almost was, like... Plague-y mm-hmm. to me, you know? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it just sort of seemed like it could be an alternate universe of where we're at right now. Yeah, I agree. And I think part of the part of the not having, like, specifics of, like, time and place makes a lot of these pieces feel like modern fairy tales. Yeah, totally. That's interesting. And she's playing off of, like, including stuff that's fairy tale like in the stories it reminds me of oh god it reminds me of another author i think i have the book who has similar kind of like sort of magical realism sometimes fairy tale-esque i forget what it was called i can go look it Um, kind of reminds me of what what was it boy bird snow oh yeah boy snow bird yeah boy snow bird but that could have been I, I liked that book, but I felt like some of the comparisons were a little bit forced. Yeah. Like, in this book, each of the short stories, like, I wasn't sitting here being like, oh, I see what she's trying to do, you mm-hmm. know? Mm-hmm. Or I see why this part's being brought up. Oh, I get it. Yeah. It was just, like, putting me into a different world. Yeah. With Voice No Bird, I was like... Oh, I see what you're trying to do. You yeah. Know, like it just, this is sort of like the step up in my mind of that sort of style. 
Yeah, some of them and some of the references in that one were like a little too obvious. Yeah. Um, I figured out what book it was. It's Get in Trouble by Kelly Link. We didn't read it for the podcast. I haven't read that yet. It's also short stories. And there's a lot. I don't remember all the details, but I just remember there was like kind of magical realism. It it felt to me like a little bit like modern fairy tales too. Now I want to go back and read it and see if I can like see. Nice. Good stuff. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, I really liked this book. Me too. I'm lending it to my coworker tomorrow. Um, yeah, I, I didn't really, I didn't read anything about it. Like, Michaela had said to read it. Mm -hmm. You had mentioned it, but I didn't, like, do any research about it. I didn't even read, like, the back of it. I just started reading it. Yeah. And so I had no idea what to expect, um, but I really enjoyed it. Yeah, me too. This is definitely one that, like, I'll keep around and can see myself, like, picking up and reading again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I found it, like, kind of one of those good books for sort of inspiration. Mm-hmm. Like, I remember um, my advisor in college, Micheline Markham, was always like, the authors are, like, our mentors. Like, we don't need living mentors. Like, the authors that we read are our mentors, and their work is, like, how they teach us. And so... Yeah. She was, like, very big about, like, you know, you read a piece and then you just let it inspire you. And it doesn't have to be very purposeful. It doesn't have to be like, oh, they wrote about this topic. I'm going to write about this topic. It's more like you read it and if you take any kind of a nugget, you just kind of run with it. And so I feel like this is one of those books that I'm going to keep on my shelf to kind of be a good inspiration. Because I I think partly because of the way that she weaves in these kind of fantastical elements but in a very like maybe this sounds contradictory but grounded way mm-hmm. and then also in the way that she sort of attacks really big like issues issues of womanhood issues of sexuality issues of society issues of like the body mm-hmm. in a way that is both large but then also very particular to the characters, which I thought yeah. was really just really cool because I got pulled into the stories, but then also it was very thought provoking. It wasn't like I was only focused on plot or only focused on theme. It, I felt like it was a balance. Yeah, I agree. And I think that's a really great thing to say, like keeping books as inspiration. I mean, as silly as it is or was, but that one that I liked a lot where she just listed out each encounter mm-hmm. and then wove that story through it also. Like, that, I mean, I haven't written anything in a long time, but mm-hmm. that was made me think, like, oh, I want to try and write something like this. Like, I really like that style. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I think it's important to keep books around like that that make you think. And, like I said, for me, it's been a while since I've read something that's made me think, like, oh, that's inspiring. I, I want to do that again. I want to pick up my pen again. Yeah. Yeah. I really, I really liked it. Me too. I did too. Does she have other books? I think she just came out with a new book like this year. Okay. Um, let me look at it. In the Dream House. Yeah, it just came out this year. Cool. Is it a memoir? I Oh, it says, ew, it's, the subtitle is a memoir. Oh. <laughs> okay. <laughs> 
Well, either way, I'm sure that it's good and maybe we should read it soon. Yeah, I'm down. Mm-hmm. Um, but next we're going to read Haunting of Hill House. Yeah. Yes, by Shirley Jackson. Whoa. I'm obsessed with her right now. Is there anything else we want to say about this book? Um, I'm sure that we could probably do some deep reads, but in the interest of time, I would just say this is a, this is a book that's worth reading, and I feel like this is, how do I say this? I think that there need to be more short story collections on people's shelves, because it's like so easy to just spend 20 minutes reading one short story. And then have a complete, you know, have a complete narrative. And I think it's high time for the short story to come back and the short story collection. So if you want to be part of that movement, get this book. Can that be like a pull quote from here <laughs> about high time for the short story? Yeah. That was my favorite line I've ever heard. It's about high time for the short story. Okay, shoot. That convinced me. Like short stories, I'd be like, you know what? It is high time for it's the high short time. story. See, see, we'll start spreading the gospel of the short story. <laughs> I'm gonna get that sentence tattooed on me. I love it so much. It's not high time for the short story. <laughs> That's my favorite thing. That was genius. I'm happy. I'm not even being sarcastic. I'm really glad. <laughs> Do you have any last thoughts? Last words on this. Read it. It's a great book. I think it might even be more fun if you read it before you listen to this episode so you don't have any thoughts on it before you pick it up. (laughs) um, If you're listening to this part of the sentence, then you've already read it probably. And I would say take your time with it. Mm. Because I should have taken more time. Mm. You live and you learn. This is like a New Year's resolution episode. Don't take your time with books. Take time to smell the pages. Except some old books smell really bad. Like some of them smell like ass. What? Like if you go to a thrift store or a used bookstore, some of the books have a nice old book smell. Some of them have like a butt old book smell. Ooh. What are people doing with their books? I don't want to know. They might be. Who knows? Weird. This one does not smell like butt. No. It smells like like glue. It's like a fresh book. Yeah. (laughs) Can we get high off of some weird book glue? Yeah, it smells good. Like a new girl. (laughs) Um, yeah, no. That's all I have to say about that book. Solid book. Solid. Well done, Carmen Maria Machado. Maybe one day she'll be our friend. Maybe. If you're listening... We want to be your friend. <laughs> we'll just keep tagging her in tweets too until she likes it. So we should remind people that we are on Instagram. Oh, yes. We do have a Gmail. The only thing we ever get on that Gmail is like reminders from SoundCloud that we have to pay our bill. Um, so, yeah, fan mail would be great. We know yeah. you're out there. Um, we are also on Twitter. Twitter. Yes, we're also on Twitter. Twitter. Twitter, Gmail, Instagram. Yeah, that at right. Drunk of the Book. All Drunk of the Book. Mm-hmm. 
And we have a website, drunkofthebook.com. Oh, right. We've got it all. We've got it all. Lovely. Lovely. All the 44 people that listened to our last episode. Woo, woo.